Hello, I'm Jason Solomons, and welcome back to Awards Season. Seen any good films lately? The podcast full of the latest winners and nominees, and the finest recommendations from the stars. Her performance in Strange Days, it was just like I was mesmerized by her. She was just breathtakingly good. She had this sexy rawness, and I was just blown away by her. You heard my top guest there, Numi Rapace, who shot to international fame as Elizabeth Salander, the eponymous girl with a dragon tattoo, and who now gives one of her best ever performances in the decidedly offbeat Icelandic drama Lamb. We talk about that film, driving a tractor, living in London, and the films that influenced her life in a brilliant and lively interview with Numi Rapace. Lamb was a nominee at the European Film Awards last weekend. I'll fill you in on awards news for the London Critics Circle too and reveal our own winner on the Hand of God cookbook competition all to come after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. There are three or four films that I'd recommend right at the moment. Don't Look Up, which has a fantastic cast, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill. I mean, to name just a couple. Uh, It's an apocalyptic comedy. Leonardo and Jennifer play astrologists who discover a comet hurtling towards Earth. When they try and alert the White House and President Meryl Streep, they are fobbed off and uh, people sort of avert their eyes from the emergency. Look, it's obviously it's a metaphor for either COVID or climate change or for whatever political reasons we do things. Uh, it's a satire on all of those. I quite liked it. I have to say it's a bit long for a comedy about that sort of stuff, but it's handling of internet memes and how we twist the truth and avoid the truth, I thought was rather well done. It's by Adam McKay, who's done Vice and um, The Big Short, both of which I thought overplayed their hand and I their brand of satire I didn't really get. He obviously is an executive producer on Succession as well. So he's, you know, he also directed Step Brothers. So he does do broad comedy. The mix is a bit uneasy. I thought that they it it kind of worked here. Don't look up. I was definitely worth sort of noting, you know, and we do avoid climate change and we do avoid covid and we do sort of avoid the comet hurtling towards us. So I don't think it was over uh, overstating itself here. Don't look up. It's a big Starfield satire. It doesn't deliver the, the, the sort of Oscar nominations that you would want it to. But it's actually uh, a good use of celebrities time to sort of <laughs> sort of uh, really um, subscribe to something that is actually happening. And I think it's a, it's a satire worth looking up. Don't look up. Do. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh. For you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess? Sit tight. And then assess. The sit tight part comes first, and you gotta digest it. That's the assessment period. The Lost Daughter stars the brilliant Olivia Coleman. We'll talk about this a bit later because it's got loads of nominations in the London Critics Circle nominations. Uh, and Olivia Coleman is fantastic in here playing uh, an English teacher called Leda who's on holiday in, in a Greek island uh, who refuses to move uh, when a, a rambunctious Greek family kind of a hole up on her beach and she says, no, I'm not going to move and then becomes slightly enemies with this family. Uh, and it's about this sort of middle-aged woman looking back on her past as well. A very sort of jigsaw-ish puzzle from first-time director Maggie Gyllenhaal adapting an Eleanor Ferrante novel. Yeah, mysterious, just completely worth watching for Olivia Colman. I mean, I think we take her for granted sometimes. She's just a superb actress always in everything and she's brilliant, brilliant here, playing a woman who's not necessarily likeable at all. So Olivia Colman, whose sort of stock in trade is likability, plays against that type in this role and still makes her absolutely fascinating. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant portrait. The Lost Daughter in cinemas and on Netflix. So she's not calming down. Yeah. It's been a weird day. We found her and then she lost her doll. I used to have a doll like that called Mina. Mina? Mina. Or Mini Mama, as my mother called her. You'll find it. Yeah. 
sitmez. Another film that I have to tell you about shot completely last minute onto my, you know, films of the year list. It's called The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzmão. It's a Brazilian movie. And the best thing I can say to you is that it's a Brazilian in the mood for love, but with sisters. It's absolutely gorgeous. The camera work by Ellen Louvar is just extraordinary. It conjures up this 50s Rio. It's a tale of two sisters who are separated by a vicious lie told by their bossy, horrible father. But it's about so much more. It's about the role of women in society. It's about love. It's about um, that society, uh, the rich and the poor. It's about uh, filial loyalty. It's about patriarchy, politics. But it's really about the performances of these two fantastic actresses in it. Uh, the music is great as well. Uh, one wants to be a pianist. The other one just wants to find love. It's an extraordinary film about an extraordinary city. I think, you know, if you've been there, it captures all the wonderful kind of corners of Rio from the sea right up to, to, to Corcovado and right up to, uh, you know, the Santa Teresa and, and that, those kind of areas. Just a great, great film, The Invisible Life of Yudishi Guzmão. Uh, it's directed by Karim Ainouz. Uh, what can I else can I tell you? It's based on a novel which I haven't read, of course, like lots of novels. I haven't read them. And I tell you what, it had me in tears. And very few films this year have had me in actual tears. This one had me sobbing, sobbing full tears. I thought it was a brilliant, uh, a tropical melodrama is how uh, its director has described it. And, and it's, that's a very, very apt way of saying it. So I think In the Mood for Love, because that 50s, the unrequitedness, uh, the two sisters, the camera work, that's what it conjured up for me. Uh, I think it is one of the films of the year. The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzmão. Do try and catch that on, I think, BFI Player and Curzon those sort of places there's the lovely story of film by mark cousins who we interviewed about that very fine documentary essay on my first can episode last season so do catch up with that chat as you can with all my vintage episodes and that's got real relevance this week as mark looks at how cinema has changed this century and the surprising films from all corners of the cinema sphere that have led the way right so that's Don't Look Up, The Lost Daughter, The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzmão, and The Story of Film by Mark Cousins. Those are just some of the films I'd recommend and that I've seen lately. Okay, it is awards season and I said I'd bring you the latest awards news and this is absolutely fresh today. This is from the Critics Circle. I popped down to the Mayfair Hotel for the nominations, the 42nd London Critics Circle nominations. I used to be chairman of that organisation for several proud years and host of the ceremony when it was at BFI Southbank. I was very pleased to see that I've left it in great hands and they returned a very impressive and eclectic spread of nominations this year. Three films from female filmmakers lead the way, Jane Campion's Power of the Dog, Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh, The Lost Daughter, which I recommended just before, and Joanna Hogg's Cine Memoir, The Souvenir Part 2. Uh, the nominations were announced by actors Joanna Vanderham and Gwilym Lee. Uh, I got to talk to Joanna and I caught up with uh, film expert Wendy Mitchell to discuss the uh, runners and riders in this year's race, where there were films such as Drive My Car, Belfast, West Side Story, Dune, Licorice Pizza, Memoria, Can Winner Titan, just among the several films nominated in the Best Film category. Look out for some extraordinary nominations in the docs too. And in fact, Japanese writer-director Ryazuki Hamaguchi is the year's most nominated individual. His film Drive My Car is nominated and he's nominated for film director and screenwriter as well. So, you know, a Japanese auteur comes out top. This is what Joanna van der Ham and Wendy Mitchell had to say. Joanna van der Ham. Hello. Thank you for presenting the, the Critics Circle nomination. It was great fun. Was it? Was it all right? Yeah, it was definitely fun. Gwilym and I were sort of told in advance that if you rattle through it, it doesn't take very long. And so we decided to look everybody up and get a little bit of tidbits for everyone. So. Quite good nominations, I think. What do you think, as, a, as an actor, what do you think about critics' nominations? Do you think, oh God, what do they know? What I mean, I, th think? I think it's interesting because I, I tend not to read reviews before I see something. I kind of want to make up my own mind 
and then what I'll do is I'll check if they agree with me mm-hmm. and I'll make sure that, that, that we do and, and but I think it's a really important set of, of parameters you know you guys are kind of experts in your field and you see everything and you see so much and so of course having that com- comparison coming from you guys is you know it's, it's a, a, a benchmark for excellence in the industry. And when you see like people you've worked with nominated and friends nominated, what, is, there, is there like, well done them? Or like, why aren't I nominated this year? For the film awards, definitely not, because I haven't been in a film this yeah, year. Um, but also, you do just think, go on them. You secretly want them to win, because then you can be like, I know them. Anyone you work with this year that you thought, brilliant, well done? I haven't had the pleasure of working with any of our actress nominees this year, which is a shame. But, I mean, God, Olivia Coleman is just... She's sort of becoming a stalwart of, of British acting, isn't she? Who's your inspiration as an actress? Oh, Kate Winslet. The first film I ever actually properly watched was Titanic. And it just stayed with me. I just thought she was so strong and, and decisive. And it wasn't even about what she looked like. or and, and that's kind of been something I've been working with in my career is is playing roles where it shouldn't matter what they look like it's about what they do and what they say and who they are and I think that she picks those kind of roles I mean if I could just like have her career that would be great I'm with the fabulous Wendy Mitchell who I can't believe it this is your first critic circle nominations year welcome Thank you so much. Yeah, I was really happy to join the London Critics Circle. If we're honest, I'm not a thousand percent a pure critic, but I write about film a lot. I write critically, I hope, about film. Uh, so it's really exciting to get to take part, and I love to vote and voice my opinion. You've got a book out as well, right? Uh, I've got a new book coming uh, about Icelandic cinema, which, again, might be pretty niche, but... I love them. You're on the right show. This is the week we've got Numi Rapace on the show. Fantastic. And I spoke to her recently about Lamb. Really interesting film. And before Lamb, I had no idea that Numi grew up in Iceland. None of us knew this. And, yeah, very interesting film. I would love to hear what your listeners think about that. Yeah, I'm waiting for them as well. But they're getting thoroughly recommended to it. But, but we, we're coming to that in a minute, Wendy. We've just got the nominations for the uh, 42nd Critics Circle Film Awards. And I'm covering awards this season. You were uh, part of the European Film Awards last weekend uh, in Berlin. Uh, how do you think this, this, this set went? And does anything stand out for you in here? Are you, are you proud to be associated with this set of nominations? I am very proud. I mean, sometimes with some of these critics groups it can I don't know feel like uh, a checking a tick box exercise that all the major nominees are just there in every critics group but I think this this list from the London critics uh, shows a lot of personality a lot of inclusion a lot of interesting films a, a big mix of you know huge films very tiny films and I think if we look at this list it's it's great to see how much these London critics love cinema. I think it's become a bit of a hub for, for, for world cinema. I mean, if we look at the films of the year, where's the film of the year? Here's the film of the year list. Uh, you've got Belfast in there, Ken Branagh's uh, memoir, part memoir. You've got Drive My Car, which is from Japan. And then you've got Dune, massive sci-fi. You know, really, with those three, you've got like, the, like as wide a choice as you could possibly get. Exactly. And I love that something like Titan has made it into the film of the year. I mean, it's very controversial but exciting cinema, and that's next to West Side Story as well. And it's it really runs the gamut. And I I'm really proud to be in this rank because I think it shows a real open mindedness uh, amongst these London critics. Yeah, there's Memoria in there as well, the big Tilda Swinton, Abhijit Bhavna aesthetical collaboration, and that's a kind of a, that's a that's an art film mm. right there compared to something that's a you know a blockbuster like you say West Side Story. Licorice Pizza in there, favorite of yours, your mate Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, I I love Licorice Pizza, and I'm. I'm actually really proud and surprised it made it into the Critics Circle nominations because most of the London critics weren't able to see the film. They hadn't done an official press screening for critics until after we voted. So it was people who had seen the film and maybe other awards groups, and I think it's a breath of fresh air. But, I mean, I have to say also, uh, I think my film of the year is Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, one of my favorite directors, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, like, we have never seen him before. And I heard he's, he really, I think, went kind of method. I mean, I don't think he was, like, hitting people with braided ropes. But I think he was, yeah, really went into this character. I was lucky enough to talk uh, to Jane Campion about the film. And she said it was a real partnership. And 
you know, they actually quite had a lot of disagreements on the set, mm-hmm. evidently her and Benedict, but because they were both so passionate about the role and she was like, like kind of how you fight with your, your family. It was mm-hmm. sort of like a, okay. maybe a nephew and aunt. I was going to say mother son, but that's maybe even too creepy. Um, but yeah, they had, they had words because they were both so into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that really shows. Yeah. Renata Rainsby, who I had on my can show, Brought to you first. You heard her here first. Um, She's a star. Actress of the year for The Worst Person in the World. I think I've already used the phrase breath of fresh air, but she really just feels so real, so unmannered. Uh, She's playing this uh, woman, Yuli or Yulia, who just feels like somebody... I want to go to the pub with and hear all about their problems and successes. And she's just a revelation. And before this, she'd never been in a starring role in a film. She actually, I think she told me she actually was giving, she wanted to just do theater. She was giving up on film and TV. And then she got this script. And Joachim Trier's film really is a showcase for her. And she delivers. And I think the whole world has kind of fallen in love with Renata. If there was one little gem in here, and we got them all, I know it's kind of, just fresh in front of us and no and people hadn't seen one and you had a recommend for someone Wendy Mitchell what would you say look if you haven't seen this go and see this and you'll be pleasantly surprised it may be a little overlooked thing that you haven't seen because it's a you know, small release or you know which is the one that you'd recommend well I, I see that we've nominated Adil Akhtar for best British Irish actor of the year and it's for many roles I mean he's everywhere um I've always had a sort of professional, maybe not professional crush on him on screen. I just think he's so wonderful. I just want to be his friend <laughs> or more, Adil, if you're listening. Um, but in Ali and Ava, which I just think it gives him this showcase as a leading romantic role. And he is wonderful. And I think I'm so proud he's nominated. He might get my vote. Um, are we allowed to divulge who we're voting for? I, I guess you can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's tough because I love Benedict, but you know, we'll see how we go. But mm. Adil, that's just such a great role in that Clive Bernard film that they spent so many months and years preparing it together, and I think she gets such a, a wonderful performance out of him and really gives that character. Who we? It's the kind of guy you might walk past on the street and never look at again or never think of again and such humanity to showcase that guy as the romantic lead good pick as well because that's for british uh, actor of the year so it's for their body of work mm. as you say he's been in several films and it's great to see an actor like him kind of a you know he's not a handsome leading man you know swashbuckling guy and he's getting all these roles exactly and I, you know i think it's also showing hopefully finally that people of color can be romantic leads against people who are not of color. Isn't that how the real world exactly. works? He pops up and you would, oh, it's a deal. Yeah. It's not like, oh, that, why is there an Indian man? We've gone, I think we've gone completely past that. Of course, he's also on the Can podcast. Oh, of course, Jason, you brought it to the listeners first. <laughs> but yeah, he's just a joy and a delight. If I'm gonna go for, I might go for a gem as well while I'm looking at it. It's like pouring over the menu here, isn't it? And what's she, well, I'll have what she's having. But I'm going to go, if people haven't seen, under the documentary of the year, The Most Beautiful Boy in the World, I loved that film uh, about uh, Bjorn Anderson, who was the most beautiful boy in the world for Visconti in Death in Venice uh, and it, how it ruined his life. I, it's just a great film about cinema and film and, uh, and the power of, uh, of, I know, the power of fame to corrupt in some kind of way. I just thought that was a terrific film. Yeah, I think it's a Swedish production. A Swedish team made it. Yeah, it really makes you think. Wonderfully entertaining to watch this documentary, but really makes you think about, yeah, the price of fame and beauty and yeah. how do you age from that. Wendy Mitchell, finally we get to do this. So nice to have you in the critic circle. So nice to have you on the show. Thank you, Jason. And, I, yeah, I love hearing somebody talk with passion and love for great cinema and really happy to be part of this critic circle. Thank you. And the winners of the London Critics Circle Film Awards will be announced also at the Mayfair Hotel on February the 6th, 2022. I shall be there and hopefully we shall all be there in person. Lumi Rapace is a unique figure, I'd say. A gloriously independent spirit who found international renown with the Lisbeth Salander trilogy of hit Swedish movies, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo... 
It led to a career that's seen her starring in blockbusters such as Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes, Game of Shadows and Ridley Scott's Prometheus, although she was never comfortable with the star status that was thrust upon her. So, her latest film takes her back to her roots. I didn't quite realise just how much to her roots it was. Icelandic film Lamb is a weird concoction indeed about a couple on a remote farm who adopt a newborn baby lamb as their own child, much to the discomfort of a visiting brother-in-law. And I should say many of us in the audience too. It's both outlandish and creepy, uh, both funny and threatening, and Nomi is great to watch throughout. So it was fantastic to get her on the show and to talk to her about what this role meant to her and the other films that have shaped her fascinating life. Well, it's yeah, it's a great performance. Loved you in Lamb. Thank you. Yeah. Did you uh, learn how to ride a tractor or did you just know how to do that originally? No, I had to learn that. That and delivering baby lambs when you yeah, told me. Yeah, because you, yeah. you you were actually doing that. I thought you, this must be real because there's like, you know, stuff It's on your right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was my first day on set, both uh, driving a tractor and pulling out baby lambs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, you know... When when you're a young actress and you're doing auditions and they say, oh, yeah, so you can speak English and Spanish and you do pony riding and you do horse riding, you always say, yes, I can do it all. Yeah, in, I just lied. Yeah, in this one, they said, you, you're great at animal husbandry. You can, you're a vet. You can I, do it all. I can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Was it, I mean, they always say don't work with animals. This is, that, that's normally like performing dogs and like, but do, do they have stunt lambs? They, they can't train lambs. And no. Um, there was no trained animals in this one. It was just raw, real animals with, you know, uh, animal keeper. Like, you know, the farmer was there. When I was delivering the lambs, the farmer was standing next to the camera and, you know, because I was quite nervous. Where does something goes wrong? You see this little, you know, little creature come out and it's like, you know, they have mucus over the face and I had to clean it up. And like, you know, I saw this little thing like breathe for the first time, stand up for the first time. And it was just this, magical, fragile moment of life. And I was like, it's in my hands. It's my responsibility. But then, you know, it was weird. It's just, I just felt like I'm kind of meant to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it really was, it looks it in the film as well. It's kind of magical, this is the first steps of it all. Yeah. Did you, yeah. And, you and you felt that. Are you a, an animal person anyway, or are you quite a city person? Oh, uh, I grew up on a farm oh. and I do... I, you know, when I when I grew up, I was really far. I was like 45, 50 minutes from my school. Um, so I was, I didn't really have friends. Like I, my dog, Krummi, which means like a nickname for Raven, ah. uh, was my best friend. And then my horse, Eltur, who means fire. So they were my two best friends. So that was my, like, you know, five years of my childhood from the age of like, you know, nine to 14. <laughs> it was weird. Krummi and Eltur, they were the only two people you knew. And movies, movies and my dog and my, and my horse. That was like, I had like, you know, but endless friends in, in the universe of films and then my animals. <laughs> How So obviously quite nice to reconnect with the land in such a way like this. I mean, very much going back to the, uh, to the yeah. early you. Yeah, and it, it really felt like, you know, when Valdemar um, came and offered this to me, it just... It was strange. I just got this sensation in my body that I've been waiting for this, that this is meant to be. This is what I've been sending out to universe that I needed. And and I read the script, which is very little dialogue, and, and I got his kind of visual book, and it was just so haunting and, you know, dark and beautiful. And I was like, this is it. This is what I need to do. This will bring me back to me and to my roots. And, and it was quite... a emotionally kind of uh, powerful to film this and to be back where where I found myself many many years ago wow and is that in terms of a human or you mean in terms of the acting and the whole the the, the no as a human I I do I mean I, we moved to Iceland when I was five and I remember feeling that I that this is home I belong here um, and it was something about the country and just me being I was so outspoken and like unafraid and really like loud and Swedes are a bit more <laughs> laid back and reserved than like, you know, 
um, Icelandic people uh, are, are more like me. So it just felt like, you know, I was less of an outsider then. When we, we moved back to Sweden when I was like eight and nine, and I was just devastated. I was like, don't want to be here. I'm Icelandic. So if Iceland really kind of, I, I, f I felt like that was the first time I belonged to something. Wow. And you hadn't been back since or you? you just oh, yeah. Got... No, no, no. I do. I have family there. I've been going back and um, yeah, several times. And, and is, that, is that an easy, quite a uh, common sort of migratory pattern that between Sweden, Iceland, Sweden, Iceland? I mean, back then when I was a, when I was a teenager or like from the age of nine, ten, I went back alone every summer, just me, the family, my mom and my stepdad and my sister stayed in Sweden. And I went to Iceland over the summer. I finished school like, you know, early June is the Swedish kind of school system. And the next day I would fly to Iceland and work in like in the greenhouses, my grandmother's greenhouses with tomatoes and cucumbers the whole summer, make my own money, got back with a bag of money <laughs> and bought my clothes, like my wardrobe for the winter for, the, for, this, uh, for school. And then I kept the rest of the money so I could rent films. <laughs> well, at uh, videos and at blockbusters, yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's what you spent your money on, renting uh -huh. films. Clothes and films. <laughs> Still do. Still the same. <laughs> yeah. And how the tomatoes and the cucumbers. Yeah, that's what I eat now. <laughs> Still the same. I haven't changed a bit. <laughs> Working with the, with the animals, though, there's a, there's a real movement, I think, at the moment. Because the uh, lamb was in Cannes. Cow was, in La uh, was there as well. Mm. Uh, I think it was another animal film. Pig. Oh, pig. pig. There was pig. Yeah. <laughs> cow, cow, Lamb, pig. cow, pig. <laughs> That's true. So I don't know what's going on, but something about man and his and her place in the universe is is kind of working out. And then there was Titan, which won, which was also about a sort of crossbreeding sort of element. So something's going on in the in the filmic world that you're part of. I don't know if you you know, if there's a reason for it or you just, as you said, you ask the universe. I mean, I do think that we are in a place where it's like, it's a break point. We need to humble up. We need to wake up and, and, and like, you know, nature and animals, uh, uh, you know, we can't, we can't just keep on destroying. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, powers kind of the shift this I think we are in the end of a chapter and the beginning of a new and did, are you I don't and, and you can be whatever you want to be are you vegan and all of the are you is that your thing or do you uh, no. still eat meat no <laughs> no me neither <laughs> no I eat pretty much anything I, I grew up on you know in Iceland we eat basically all parts of of the animal, so <laughs> you know, the head, right? I brought a head. boyfriend once to Iceland and in Iceland we eat Svith and Svith is basically like lamb cheeks, like the face of a lamb, but they serve it like the whole, the whole face on a plate. And for me, it was like normal. I grew up like, this is what we do. And he was like, are you gonna eat that? I was like, I love it. <laughs> and I still do. So yeah, nothing, we don't throw anything. I don't like being uh, doing spoilers, but if you if you see lamb, then the, so the the sight of a, of a of a lamb's head or a sheep's head sort of coming towards you, and you're kissing it and having it in your bed. This is not not a great surprise if you're no, Icelandic. No, no. <laughs> I've been training for this my entire life. <laughs> I have to say that um, I thought it, when I first saw the, the the big reveal that I laughed. I, I thought it was very funny, actually. Yeah, it is funny. Is it, it is I, funny. Because everyone was saying, oh, it's so dark and mysterious. And no, it's funny. I thought I it was really, really funny. funny to me. And I didn't, yeah, me I, too. I, I, was, that, was that wrong of me? No, I th I think you you ha that's a healthy reaction. I would say. <laughs> Good, because, and I still think. It's I mean, funny. we were laughing a lot on set. It was a lot of moments when I was like burst out laughing. And so, presumably, there's a little kid there somewhere. There's a little kid there somewhere. Yeah, and, uh, like lambs and cats and dogs. And, yeah, but the kid yeah. was the kid was has great physicality. I know it's a great, oh yeah. I mean, we really... had uh, nine kids. We were like, yeah, it was a bunch of kids that we, because you can only shoot certain hours with kids, and you know you have to be. It's a lot of rules, so 
we had a little group, little kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course you can shoot many hours in Iceland, I suppose, because we never know if it's night or day there. That exactly. Never, it, yeah, and, dangerous. You never know. They you can just tell you. No, it's like it's like three p.m., but it's actually three a.m. You wouldn't know the difference. No, and I didn't know it in the in the in the film as well, and that that helps with the confusion. You know. Oh, yeah, you know, for you, sure. Should you be asleep? Should you be awake? Should you be drinking? Yeah. Should you not? Yeah, and that really kind of mirrors like you know what's going on inside of Maria. It's this confused. She's almost like trapped in this limbo between, you know, she has so much grief and stuck in that and, and her life is sort of paused when we meet her. So she's almost between two worlds, like losing a child in the past and getting this new opportunity to to heal, to to be a mother again. And, you know, she's in, you know, I would say that she is in that kind of midfield where it's like there's no day, there's no night. It's just... Yes. Somehow alive. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're a mother, uh, mm -hmm. right? I believe. I Very what, much so, yes. One, one My son, um, we live in London and uh, he's 18. Oh, wow. You live in yeah. London now? I didn't know you lived yes. here. Oh, oh yeah, I've been here for like eight years or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you shopping. No. At <laughs> the butchers? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have, but I probably, probably don't reckon, you know, you're just probably going about your, your normal day. Are you, are you liking London? Do you like it here? Well, you've been here eight years. I love London. It's my favourite city. It really is. I discovered London when I did um, um, Sherlock Holmes. It was the first time. I think it was your interview with me that, that swung it yeah, before you. Yeah, that obviously. was that changed everything. Yeah. I was like, got to move here. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do you like, I mean, do you manage to kind of find, you know, you talk about this one being sort of a refreshing film for you, but how do you manage to, to kind of square all the Numis, you know, the Icelandic one, the Swedish one, the London one. London is a melting pot of uh, people from all over the place, all like different religions, different traditions, different colours, different languages, different faces. Like, I just love that it's it's full of life and there's always life going on in somewhere. I, I get really anxious when it gets quiet. I don't, I would never like to live on a farm again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also good, like, you know, it's it's the heartbeat of Europe, you know, you can get anywhere and it's so easy. And and I just, I just love the, I love Brits. <laughs> good, oh, well, I just, I'm so glad that you're still here after the upheavals of the last, you know, four years for someone like you. I mean, yeah, we gotta change I... it. We gotta take back the control. Okay. I feel like we gotta, take back you know, can't give up on. That's what they did, they took back control. And now we have to yeah. take it back again. That's what I mean, oh, okay. yeah. We take yes, it back, back. Yes. Good. Yeah, we we got to take it back. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do take that. Take it right. I didn't quite know how we're going to do it, but you... no. But yeah, we, I, I'm 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 a positive person. But you know, because it must have been difficult for you to sit through all this. I mean, it's weird. I think the way the, the world is just twisted. It's so many. Wherever you look, it's just like what the fuck is going oh, yeah. on? Like you know, you look at the US and you look here and you look at Europe and it's like right-wing parties and people are just, it's so it's sad and it's disturbing and it's dark and it's like what can we do yeah we've got to just keep on fighting for what we believe in and like make good films that communicates and travels and and, and talk about w what we want to do instead of everything we don't want to do so you didn't think there was a moment when it was happening and you thought you with your son and you thought you know what I've got to get out of this place you know I've got to go back to Europe I you know I'm going to go back to Sweden or and no, back to Sweden, that will never happen, no. But um, I do, I'm very loyal and I do love this country and I, I'm hopeful that we can find a way to, to build um, uh, bridges and, 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 and collaborations instead of closing borders because I don't believe in, in locking doors. I believe in communication. Mm. Well, that's what you're, you do in your films, right? Exactly. That's what we hope to do in your films. What was the first film you ever saw at the cinema then, Numi? It was Hook. Oh, really? Peter, yes, Peter, in a, a small cinema in Iceland, in a village called Flúðir. Um, and, you know, my saved up money in a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, and I just loved it. And I was like, you know, living in that fairy tale land. And it was, um, I will, yeah, Maggie I remember Smith. what I ate, that I ate some weird sweet candy that made my um, tongue burn. <laughs> what was it? Do you still have that as a candy? Is that the thing? It's like a hot it was like some candy. sour, like, um, 
like a pacifier, like a sour pacifier that you were sucking on until it burned you, you know. It was just like probably dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a film that changed your life that you would say that either you worked on and changed your life or that you saw and changed your life, or maybe both? My first lead, uh, proper lead in the film was um, in a Danish film called Daisy Diamond. And it definitely changed me as an actress and me as a person. It's a movie, I did a lot of research in the sex industry in Denmark, and I did um, research on psychosis. I was working with a professor on psychosis and simultaneously kind of visiting, like, you know, um, massage clinics, which is brothels in, in Copenhagen, and strip clubs and porn sets and and uh, hanging with people working in the sex industry. And it was just, it took, it was a very brutal film for me to shoot. And I made one of my most kind of a decision that I'm still loyal to as an actress. And I was like, I can never be driven by vanity. I always have to go for what's true, even though I look like shit, even though I come across like something I might not be comfortable with. Um, um, reality and, and honesty must come first. Wow. I, I, you know, because I was interviewing you and I, I was looking up your filmography and obviously I saw Daisy Diamond and I thought, have I seen Daisy Diamond? I haven't seen Daisy Diamond. Maybe I won't talk about Daisy Diamond because I haven't mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. no, I haven't now. <laughs> and now I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds extraordinary. Because, I, I mean, I, I would have thought you would have said, you know, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I know you have a strange relationship with that <laughs> series, but uh, it must have changed your life in some way. I mean, I have a strange relationship with all my films. It's like all lovers and it's like all sides of me. And um, But Daisy Diamond did... <clears throat> One of the producers of um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo scene, because I won awards and stuff for Daisy Diamond in Denmark. So it was really celebrated in Denmark. In Sweden, they hated it. <laughs> so I was doing press in Sweden for Daisy Diamond. They were really upset. It was like, why did you do this? And like, wow, how can you as a woman be naked in a film? It was really like quite aggressive. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> and then in Denmark, it was really celebrated. And one of the producers in Denmark was also one of the producers on The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So basically, Daisy Diamond was the kind of uh, was the introduction and opened the door opener for for the girl with the dragon tattoo wow so no, it definitely did change your life did you did you watch any films for inspiration for for, for lamb i did watch um god's own country oh yeah both me and Valtimar watched that one and and post tenebra lux post carlos regardas because that was a sort of farming um, ammonite uh, weren't they Menomite, yeah Menomite. and he also oh. comes really close on animals and He's a he's a very beautiful and different filmmaker. Yeah, and is. and he was one of Valtemar's mentors at film school. Oh, I see. Well, I think Francis Lee, who did God's Own Country, which is a, a sort of the British cold British farm movie, <laughs> um, he'd be delighted to know this as well. This is exciting. It's one of I love that film. I love it. It's really beautiful, and I would love to. I met. Um, Josh O'Connor in Cannes and we were talking and I was like, you know what? I watched it so many times, I was like, it's beautiful. And he was like, we got to do something. So that is my, you know, shout out. Yes, good. Well, <laughs> but I, I think yeah, it's, yeah. I loved it. We had him on the show for that. I loved it. That... Shouldn't we wait? No, let's go to bed. Do you mean here? Aye. No. I think we should stay in the caravan. We can stay here. See you in the caravan. Have you seen any other good films lately? What have I seen lately? I saw a beautiful film called And Then We Danced. Oh. It's actually, okay, this is a, an amazing setup. So it's a Swedish filmmaker called Levan Akin, who did a, a film that takes place in Georgian. Georgian? Georgia. So it's about like the traditional Georgian dance and a boy who's like one of the star dancers. And that culture is very masculine, macho. And he's gay. He's a teenager who discovers that he's gay. And yes. it's like this, it's a beautiful film. And it's just like, I cried and I laughed and it was just, it's stunning and then visual, like it's just a feast for your eye. And 
a heartbreak, oh. and I wish everyone to see it. I it's sort of like when I saw it. Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. It has the same a little bit of yeah. I wish I'd seen that one. I haven't seen it. I, I don't know why it passed me by. I know. Um, watch it. Watch it. What about te- do, now you're here in London? Do you, do you watch telly? Um, telly is hard because I'm always somewhere else um, filming and. You know, I'm trying to keep up with my son. We do share. So he's watching a series and then I'm like, you know, I want to kind of bond with him. I was like, what are you watching now? And then he's like watching, you know, a squid game. Then I start watching it because he's watching it because I want to talk to him about something, you know, even if we're separated. So I do try to kind of tune into whatever he's watching. But you don't, you're not like suddenly, oh, you watch British comedies or, you know, some... I don't really have time, you know, it's hard. I do love uh, Ricky Gervais, so I watch everything he does, and I'm a big fan. Okay, we'll give him a shout out as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a film poster on your wall? Um, you're such a big film fan and you got rented all these films did you have posters yeah not anymore i get really embarrassed because sometimes i get sent posters i have like the drop and i have like i got lamb sent to me so i have some of my own and i get really embarrassed i would never have a poster with me a movie i've done on my that gives me like i really someone saw it was like hidden behind the sofa once i was like oh that's you i was like (laughs) but when i was a teenager i did have um uh natural born killers Oh, yeah, big poster. Woody Harrelson and uh, Juliet um, Lewis. Yes. And I love, I was obsessed with that film when I was like 13, 14. That was a cool poster. Lots of people had that one, actually. I seem to remember yeah. going I mean, yeah, that. it's not original at no, all. But I wish no, I'd but said something more cool. No, I, I don't want you to because it, it, it says the era that you grew up in. And, you know, there yeah. were others at the time people could yeah. have had, but it, it, it tells something very much about the what was the hot film for if you were that sort of person, that that's the sort of mm. film you love. And obviously, Definitely. And I can, see, the, yeah. I can see Juliette Lewis... Uh, would be quite influential on you as a performer. Oh, my days. She was, I loved that. I, I remember uh, her performance in Strange Days. It was just like, I was mesmerized by her. She was just breathtakingly good. And also in Cape Fear, like everything she did was just like, she had this sexy rawness and like a tomboyish kind of very feminine at the same time. I was just blown away by her. I guess I was born, naturally born, born bad. Hey, Knox, somebody out here wants to meet you. Bad. It's such a sin. I guess I was born, naturally born, born bad. Jesus Christ! Don't worry about it. She does this all the time. I I always loved her as well. And then when I went to the Oscars uh, once, I I was waiting to go into the Vanity Fair party, and I, I was just sitting on a wall, and somebody sat next to me and said, "Do you do you have do I have a light?" And I didn't have a light because I don't smoke. Um, <laughs> and it was Juliette Lewis. Uh, Fantastic. And, and then we of found... course she's asking you for a light. Oh, yeah. What else? What else? <laughs> That's what I wanted. Then we found someone with a light, and then we and we shared. And then I said, "Do you have a cigarette?" Because even though I don't really smoke, I thought, "Well, you have to smoke I, with, with Juliette Lewis. Lewis." I would smoke with her too. Totally did. Yeah. Great conversation. <laughs> I would keep a lighter on me forever <laughs> yeah, in no, case now, I run into. Now I'm never without. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if I could take you back to any film set ever ever that was being shot and you could go and visit it. You could go for a day, but you could go for the whole shoot if you wanted to, or just for a famous scene. Which one would you go to? I have two. Yeah, go on. Dancing with Wolves, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Obsessed, I loved it. <laughs> um, you and, go to the, um, the whole, where the, you know, where the bison were roaming and the buffalo. I just wanted to be in it. <laughs> yeah. Or um, The Last Mohican. Daniel Day-Lewis, obsessed with that one too. So there's a, there's a sort of Native American kind of thing going on with you here. Yeah, I mean, when I grew up, a lot of people, because my dad was Spanish, um, Spanish gypsy, and I was asked several times if I have Native American blood in me or if I was like, if that was my, my mixture. So I think, you know, from an early age, I was just like, kind of started saying to people, it's like, yeah, because I didn't know my dad. So I was like, could have well been there, you know? Yeah. And it sounded really good. So I had this um, really kind of 
strong connection with that culture, read everything about Native Americans and their tribes. And, you know, they're just, it's just a, it was such a beautiful message in a lot of the tribes there. And it was like, I remember when I read some of they, they, they acknowledged five genders, you know, they were just so forward thinking and like, it was just like how they kind of looked at the human race and how we, they was just so uh, 360 equal and embracive to all, I mean, to all sides of life. Yes. Well, I'm glad that you, you I, th- I remember we talked about your, your dad's background because don't you, don't you play a sort of gypsy woman in, in the Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. Zimza. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember you. Um, <laughs> have you ever fallen in love at the movies? I have not. You know what? I thought about it because, funny enough, I'm so in love with movies. So if I go, you know, when I go to cinema, I wouldn't go on a date. I would be really annoyed if someone tried to like, you know, hold my hand or like tap me or try to kiss me. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, don't like, leave me alone. This is my love story. You know, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm here for this love, not for that love. <laughs> but it's an open question to me because you could fall in love with the movie or someone in that movie. Oh, yeah, but, oh, yeah, oh, like constantly. Aha. Uh-huh, I, I, I mean, I, I was remember when I went to, for example, like I went and saw Shame with Michael Fassbender. It was like in Sweden. It was like in, in this big theatre. It was like four of us in there. It was really awkward. It was, and it was quite full on. Then I was sitting there. I was like so like blown away by his performance. And like and when the light went up, it was like four hours in the room. And I was like, this is really awkward because I'm like so like just like taken by his performance. And I remember that I walked out and I was like, couldn't focus on anything for like maybe a week. Mm. Um, and, and then I and, like a couple of weeks later, I run into one of the other ones that was in in the theater with me. And we shared this weird like, re- like it was like we had a connection between us because of the film. Yes. Because it was, well, yeah. You so- both- sort of had sex with Michael Fassbender. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know if you've met Michael Fassbender. He's very nice, as it happened. Uh, yeah, I did work with him once. You yeah. did? He's very, yeah, yeah, Prometheus. He yes, plays the robot. Yeah. 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 Did yeah, you tell so, him, yeah. Did you tell him that this story about Shane? No, because that one came out after, I believe. Oh, okay. I think so. No, I didn't tell him. <laughs> well, then it's even weirder. <laughs> that would be awkward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keeping that to myself. <laughs> Everyone's seen his penis. It's fine. He knows that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not so much about the penis. I'm, I'm so you know what happened with Daisy Diamond? I got really numb um, to nudity because I was so I was naked in like forty percent of the film, and I saw naked bodies and mm. dicks and pussies and breasts. It was just like pfft. so. You, I got really like uh, numb. So it was, I don't get, like, something happened, something broke, I guess, <laughs> you know? So it, so it was not so much about the penis. It was purely his, I'm very drawn to faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, obviously, that film is completely, no, it's the intensity of that film, and it's a beautiful mm. filmmaking, Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah. and um, Carrie Mulligan as well. Yeah, like, it's good. just amazing. Yeah. Mm. Um, what's your favourite musical moment in movies? Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, when he has this strange dance in the in the hotel room, oh. and he's like he ends up he's like dancing, and it's like it's this really dark, beautiful score, and then he just punches the mirror, and he starts bleeding, and he's rolling of the bed. It's this long sequence that's just so hypnotic and and seductive and sad. Oh, it just I've seen it many many times, and I love it, and I it breaks my heart every time. Where's your favourite cinema? Oh, I do love um, Electric House. Here in On London. Portobello Road. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love la- laying down and eating at the same time. Oh, yeah, because they have the, the big couchy things. Yes, that's great. Yeah, Good yeah. Shout. Yeah, and- it's very dangerous though if it's a boring film. Yeah. Because most likely you will be like, you know, like... <laughs> falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> and what's the fam- your favourite place that you've that you've seen on screen as a location or maybe the place that you've shot or maybe both? 
Um, Blade Runner, Ridley's Blade Runner. Mm. I was uh, uh, um, like obsessed with that setting and the whole like the lights and just the atmosphere. And uh, Fifth Element. Oh wow, these are these are fantasy locations. I couldn't take yeah. you to these places. Yeah, you yeah. Found them. yeah. I mean, Iceland looks pretty good in your film, I have to say. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Numi Rapaz, absolute pleasure to see you again uh, and to see you in such a great film with all your animal friends. Yes. <laughs> and back, back where it started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All things come and it's back to back to where we started as well. So nice to see you again. I'm sorry I can't be with you physically. But you can, you, you kind of hear, it feels like we are. I'm not very far, but uh, no. there you go. And yeah. I'm in London. I'll, I'll see you next time in London at the Fishmonks or the Butchers or whatever it is, or at the cinema. How about that? At the cinema. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye bye. Wasn't Nomi Rapace on fantastic form as she is in the film Lamb, which is out in cinemas now. It's an alternative Christmas film, I suppose. All right, just another big recommend from me to remind you to watch The Hand of God. It's on Netflix now, one of my favourite films of the year. And we launched a competition to win a cookbook of Neapolitan recipes on last week's show. We asked you, what number did Diego Maradona wear playing for Napoli? It was, of course, number 10, Dieci. One of the greatest number 10s of all time. Maybe the greatest. Anyway, that's a different debate for a different show, I guess. Thanks to all of you who emailed in to sagful at jasonsolomons.com. And the random generator has picked Nicky Moore as the winner. Well done, Nicky. So that's on its way to you now, courtesy of Netflix, a very handsome cookbook with lots of Italian scrumminess therein. You'll have your own chef's table series if you cook your way through that lot. Right, hope you enjoyed the show. If so, do rate us and subscribe us and let others know we're here with the news and the in-depth interviews. We'll do our Films of the Year rundown next week, shall we? Yeah. And we'll also celebrate 10 years of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, a British classic. And we'll do a quick pick of what to watch over Christmas. We treat you all right, don't we? Let's play out with some of that gorgeous music from The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzmão. It's an aching fado from Portuguese star Amalia Rodriguez. Estranha forma de vida. It's a strange way of life. Isn't it just? See ya. Estranha forma de vida